0: Welcome to Nkwaji 260, 260, Um, uh, happy to have you, Uh, first things first, I know I know your name but I always ask people what's their name, Um, so I can hear first of all how to say it, how they like and not butcher it, and then going to Ghana, yeah so what do you like to be called and what's officially your name, because some people don't like to be called their government names apparently.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I heard that's a thing. Yeah, people don't don't like their government name.
2: Uh-huh. I don't
1: know if I can escape uh, my government name. I only have one name uh, officially, okay. uh, Nkando and Chindila. But a lot of people call me Salia. That's the name that most people uh, are familiar with. Interesting and I like it that way because it allows me to have a personal life and a professional life without, you know, diluting or rather let me say without contaminating the other because you know sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So but I, I respond to, to both. Gandum Salia. Uh these days people call by titles, but yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Even by title, tell us the title so that
1: uh, <laughs> so that you do us. Because. So that we know which one call you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like I said, uh, my names are okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. My names best, are
1: best. Best.
0: okay. That's good. So, do you know what your name means, or the story behind you getting your name? Most people have a story. Others don't. Um, I'm usually intrigued by how people come. To their names, or if people know how their parents came up with their names, if it's the parents that named them.
1: Actually, I do know the story behind. Well, first of all, Kandu is my 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 late grandmother's name. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, yes, my paternal grandmother. But there yeah. was a story that I was told that um, I had other names, and I think mm-hmm. that is where the Salia comes from. And ah, somehow, right. somehow, when someone went to register on the birth certificate alone, <laughs> decided to to drop the the names and only put their mother's name there. And that is how I ended up oh, man. Uh, with one name. That's,
0: that's <laughs> so interesting. So it's always too. been
1: a, yeah. a limbo, you know, knowing the knowledge that that was almost not your name at all. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you had been called something else. And uh,
2: right.
1: yeah. Uh, but Salia is mostly outside the home environment. I don't know why. I think being in a foreign country, people chose the name that they thought was easier to say. I don't know why that would be <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: easier than Khan.
0: That's, uh, that's interesting.
1: Yes, and as for the meaning, I think I've always, I've always um, grappled with. With having you no, know, we we have so many names that apparently don't mean anything
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> right
1: yeah uh but uh recent i wouldn't really call him a, a friend but more like a, an associate was doing some uh study about uh zambian names and their meanings right and ngand was one of them that was included in his research that he he traced you know um Oh, I know you have an international audience, so it's not just the Zambians who would understand. But basically, <laughs> right. the, the the tribe that I'm from, wearing the name Kanduwo, of would, would mostly emanate from from the northern and Lopula provinces of Zambia. Originally, um, those people, we people, um, right. <laughs> came from <laughs> came from the region that is today known as the DRC. So that's um, Congo, mm-hmm. and in his study, he found that the uh, name Nkandu was associated with a female ruler in that area. And there was a particular market day, which in ordinary times would be a Tuesday. Right. When, uh, Because people counted days not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but on the market day. Right. So every market day had a name. And uh, one of the market days was named after this uh, queen of that area who was Nkandu. And it became associated with generosity. So the name kind of means a generous woman.
0: Okay. According uh... to his findings. <laughs> which
1: I found very, I think I began to embrace the name meaning, yeah, based on that meaning. Because I didn't really, I'll be honest, I'd never really... You know, sometimes you just wonder, like, why? Why do other people have more than one name, and you only have one one,
2: yeah. one
1: name, and why this name? And then you find out what happened was almost not your name. Like, yeah, but uh, I've 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 learned to embrace it. And recently, I started spelling Salia in a different way, uh, which is the original uh, uh, spelling, which is um, Arabic. So it's you. Uh, I've usually spelt it with most people spell it as a. L-I-Y-A and right. the spelling that I'm liking these days is H A instead of Y A. Okay. I don't know why, but it uh, means a, a <laughs> pious and virtuous person. okay. Which I also love. Okay. Yeah.
0: So um that's that's very interesting to like note that. Um, especially when you say that you're starting to kind of embrace it now that you know, for example, that meaning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um how I guess the question is how either strongly attached or how much of your identity to you, do you you attach to your name? Like some people say, well, it's just, you know, my name is just one of those things. It's used to identify me so you can talk to me. So I know it's me. You're talking to others, see a name as more. Um, You can, when you know your name, you can, I guess, embrace it or try to embody it and try to like um, attach more meaning to the name. How do you look at, Um, that regarding your own journey with your name and how important is it to you
1: i i i get uh, where people are coming from and i think that was one of my struggles with my name because we we always have for us africans we have these um um sayings or adages that that you know imply that a person's name announces them right you know that the name that you were given sort of uh, is a is a prelude to to your life and your being. And
2: <laughs> yeah. I
1: found it uh, very difficult having a name. Where you ask people, what does Ngandu mean? And no one would 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 give <laughs> a, a proper meaning or right. a, a a meaning to it. And you just feel like you have a name that uh, didn't mean anything. And you wonder did the people who named me even put any thought.
0: Into it. <laughs> uh, towards it
1: or was it just a, she needs a birth certificate so here's the name that we can put, whose name, oh her, her, her granny was <laughs> type of, yeah, but right. I did find it quite interesting learning um, what um, this associate of mine came to find with regards to my name, not just my name but other names as well that seemingly did not have particular meanings mm. And it was that I think even the career that I'd chosen for myself, you know, right? It, it sort of spoke to. I'm a humanitarian aid worker. By nature, we expect it to be nice people. To put it, you know, you don't have to be, but you there's an expectation that you're a nice person and a generous person, of course. Right. Uh, you you don't just switch it off being um, a humanitarian worker, you, you should embody those values and be giving. And so I did find it quite um, interesting to, to know that that was a, a meaning that somehow eventually did have some sort of meaning.
0: It resonated with
1: you. Yeah, it resonated <laughs> with me, and it felt like, hmm, even without knowing the meaning, it it sort of announced
2: uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: certain <laughs> aspects of it, yeah, but um, also the, as- the other thing is that I i, I didn't really know my uh, late grandmother, so it was a bit mm-hmm. what type of person was she? Was she a good person, a kind person? You don't just uh, want right. to be going around carrying people's names, huh?
0: <laughs> I've heard that before, like, uh, that's interesting, and I can, I guess, I can relate with parts of it and not with certain parts. In like the case of my own name, which I've uh, fortunately, unfortunately, always known what it means from day one, (laughs) everyone, like everyone took every chance to remind me and reinforce, 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 but I feel like I also did face that scenario where um, you're like, oh, this was, you know, the name came up like this, but there was also Mm -hmm. this going on around the naming, and I'm like, oh, okay, but yeah and then also recently in my case it's just um going around the idea that i'm i rarely ever hear anyone call me by my full name like from home or anywhere like i've always grown up not being called my full name and when i first moved to canada and people would not even try (laughs) that actually made me want to make them use my name even more like
2: then
0: now if you cut it short without like us you know being on that level um I was more likely to be like no it's still this to you but I also understand that it can be challenging to process I I don't feel like I don't think I've met two people that pronounce my name the same but anyway we move on (laughs) (laughs) so the next part of the conversation still directed towards you is kind of on the spot, if you were to think of um, reading your biography, if you're, or if you were to write the first paragraph of your biography, what do you think it would sound like? And is that kind of how you would like it to sound like? So, yeah, just this person on can do is was a woman
1: on an assignment Hmm. i think that i wear so many hats
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so often when people ask me what do you do i first look at the context like where are we (laughs) and why are you asking me what you are asking me so that what i tell you is is relevant
2: right and
1: i think for a very long time even i myself um, had this perception of um, so let me use this example so that it makes sense, like where I, I drew that from. When we were in uni, first mm-hmm. year especially, um, so I started, uh, I, I studied a Bachelor of Laws. Mm-hmm. But then you would find people in, in our midst who tell you that they've been at university for three years. And in their third year, they were first studying medicine and then they decided to change to law. Or someone will drop out of law and go and do engineering and we'd always, or someone who's completed an engineering degree and and go and start studying medicine or something, accounting. Right. And I often have this perception about them as people who don't necessarily know what they want <laughs> in life. Because yeah. if you go to, you you must know what you want to do. And it is that one thing and you must leave university with that one thing that you came for. Right. jumping around and you know, we, we we and I say we collectively because it was you know gossip topic like who that one who doesn't know what they want in their life and things like that mm-hmm. but I think as, as as time went on I realized that you, you don't have to do that one thing only and yeah. I found myself being that person who <laughs> is wearing so many hats and people be, but be, aren't you a lawyer what are you doing on a farm but aren't you a this what are you doing doing this and I, I, I now find myself trying to why do I have to be uh one dimensional and right. in everything that that I do, I'd like to imagine that um, i'm I'm really driven by the idea of having an ordained assignment mm-hmm. that you were there on a specific mission and Whatever you can do to bring light into the world, that's what I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. I think you know something related to that. In at least the first two sentences of the said biography, should, <laughs> should, should 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 allude to that.
0: Okay, that's 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 pretty. Yeah. Awesome. that's awesome. <clears throat> I um I can relate to again a lot of that because I'm one of those people <laughs> to this day it's funny when people actually find out what my profession is, they get very, very surprised. Like I think 90% of people that speak to me have no idea what <clears throat> I actually do professionally because one moment I'm doing music and they see me dancing. Next thing they see me on TV talking about being an events planner and they're like, like, who are you? And <laughs> <laughs> so I can definitely relate to that. But, I guess I don't know much about some of the other hats that you wear. And since we're talking about you, um, which of the hats that you wear would you like to share about with us? Like, because I was going to ask, what do you do? Um, It's just that I usually like to start with the personal because I find most times when people meet. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. How's the weather? Next thing they ask is, what do you do? And the answer someone gives is always professional. And I try to change that. So when someone asks me what I do, the first answer I give them is actually personal. And then it just throws people back. And they're like, no, I mean, like for work. I'm like, oh, you just asked me what I do. <laughs> and work is just, for me, a small portion of what I do, regardless of how much time I um, do spend uh, on it. So um yeah, so tell us about some of these hats that you would want to share with us. What, what do you do?
1: Um, i talk about all of them, if I can talk about all of them, if I, what I remember that I do, because sometimes <laughs> I forget that this is what I also do.
2: I can but, relate. <laughs> uh,
1: professionally, my, like I said, I, I studied law and I'm, I'm a practicing uh, lawyer. I'm also a writer. Mm-hmm. both academic and uh otherwise let me not go into too much detail before you start asking me stuff okay. but uh <laughs> i'm a researcher um and I've, I've collectively you know just come up with one word found a nice word that i like so much that just describes everything a jurist I'm
2: like okay. yeah
1: i'm a jurist and then now people start what's a jurist i'm like the point was so that I don't have to break it down and just use one word. Don't ask me (laughs) all these things. But yeah, I'm a legal practitioner, I'm a writer, I'm a researcher. Uh, Specifically, when it comes to legal matters, I I practice in an area that is known as public international law,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and more specifically, humanitarian law, and an area that really often just shocks people and they look at me like it's the area of law that is dealing with conflicts
2: mm-hmm.
1: so war zones and and the like uh, right. terrorism and um aspects that induce forced migration so we'd be talking about uh, internally displaced people as a result of conflict or refugees and asylum seekers right. i am also a disaster manager a uh, trained and qualified disaster risk reduction expert. I am an entrepreneur. I am trying to become a venture capitalist, and the reason behind that is because of the fact that I don't always have so much time on my hands to manage uh, personal business interests. But I'm so much uh, interested in, in you know, entrepreneurial activities and in business. I thought, you know, perhaps the the way to do it is to invest in other people's businesses. So I became mm. a, a venture capitalist. I'm still evolving into that, still learning a lot uh, about it and learning from previous mistakes. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had so many uh, businesses and so many lessons that have been learned. I nearly said regrets, but there are no mm. regrets, only lessons that have been learned. That's awesome. Uh, and and just trying to navigate um, into that. I uh, Business-wise, currently, I'm very, very much interested in um, agriculture
2: mm-hmm.
1: and agripreneurship and things that are relating to uh, agri-processing. So it's not just growing stuff, but also processing and packaging them mm-hmm. um, for consumption. That is something that I'm very much um interested in and yeah that's I think that's my business direction at the moment. I have so many other interests but you know given the times (laughs) and so many things have just taken a back burner.
0: Yeah no that that definitely Yeah
1: and that's 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 me in a nutshell. Uh like I mentioned I'm a humanitarian aid worker that's um my my career um yeah my career is as an aid worker, but mostly dealing with legal matters in the areas that I've mentioned.
0: Okay, that's awesome. That's very um, broad and uh, uh, elaborate. You're like, uh, I guess you guys are like the real life superheroes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we wish.
0: <laughs> it's 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 interesting though because when I talk to like people that say do like what you do, um, in terms of say the, being an aid worker dealing with all these conflicts and complicated problems that people face I'll uh talk to like healthcare workers you know whether it's a nurse or a doctor or like a care aide and um and then I think about what I typically do and I think of all these people there's more I can add to that list for sure but I look at them as almost real life superheroes because mostly when you see what I do like I'm I'm a financial analyst so so it's very it's like numbers i look at businesses and it feels kind of detached from the reality of people that sometimes people look at us with a bit of a side eye and like minimize the human aspect to what we do if that makes sense and the only human thing i do is usually like involves making people jump making people happy bringing say joy to people and it kind of just feels like so distant from people dealing with, uh, in inverted commas, real issues.
2: Uh, I (laughs) realize
0: that uh, I can't help but think of uh, other people as real life uh, superheroes. Before um, I move on to the next part of the conversation, Um, so you've told us what you do, um, some of the things you're passionate about, but... I like having a bit of a snapshot of someone's story, and I could say life, but I chose the word um, story because I'm very interested in storylines, you know, the peaks, troughs, and everything that happens in between. How does one get so from your beginning, and I guess for most people, their beginning is birth, unless um, you just spawned, which I (laughs) I believe didn't happen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> how do you know?
0: <laughs> we see we don't know for sure. So um yeah, so how 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 do you get from I guess kandu is born in mm. XYZ place to today? I know there's that could take 30 minutes, that could take 20, that could take five, but if I gave you a couple minutes or a minute to tell me your story from I was born in to I am here.
1: Oh. <laughs> I was born in Lusaka. It's a very brief story actually. Right. I was born in Lusaka. I lived in Lusaka for about nine years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and then emigrated to uh South Africa. Right. Uh, where I lived for almost twenty years. It's still the base. Um, in between, life happened. It feels like it just zoomed by, honestly, when I think about it. Right. But yeah, um, that's that's just the gist of it. Mm-hmm. I still have very or well, relatively strong connections to Zambia, and South Africa is home. I, I consider that that home i've already mentioned what i studied and yeah. here we are today
0: okay so moving countries what was that mm. like um leaving zambia oh. to a new country how did you feel about the idea of it and then how did you feel
2: when mm-hmm. it first became a reality mm-hmm. like
0: when it first actually becomes a reality like this has happened how do i feel in this moment
1: um, i think when it happened i was too young for me to like fully grasp what was happening or and it's not like i had many choices i was nine years old <laughs> was i going to say no i'm not moving with 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 the rest of the family i'm going to stay here in the because you can't <laughs> you know there, there was really no but i think the older the older that i got i think the more that there's certain aspect that, that um I've come across in, in 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 theoretical work, literature work and that I've I've been thinking about, you know, and that is the the unannounced trauma that that, that movement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just being uprooted from one environment <laughs> to another environment, having to thrive in 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 another environment, learning a new um way of being and new culture, new people, right, and even though, like I mentioned, I was nine years old, so there wasn't much um, much shock to it, but then there are also aspects that um I think there's just that that i would call it a formal. you feel you know you're a Zambian by because your, your passport says you're a Zambian, but there's also that right. feeling of. Where you are is never really home, and there'll always be mm-hmm. moments to remind you. Especially in a in a country like South Africa, where once in a while, more often than not, mm-hmm. we would have certain tensions that are yeah. There is that word with an X that uh, <laughs> I will not use because of uh, right professional reasons. But we know what is happening and all that. Right. Um. So those moments do remind you. That this is not your home. Yeah. But also the place that is supposed to be your home is not really home.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: can tell you now that if I say I'm going home, and the most place that would feel like home is not actually Lusaka, where I was born and raised. Right. If I go to Lusaka, I feel so lost because <laughs> nine years old, I was not moving around by myself.
2: hmm
1: And now if I go to Lusaka, I'd be on my own. There are places that right. I I don't remember how they used to be, whether they're still the same twenty years later. Right. And I found Livingston to be more, more friendly. And I think that is where if I say I'm going home I've gone to Livingston. But before <laughs> I moved to South Africa, I've never I'd never been to Livingston at all. But it's now home.
0: That's interesting. Hmm. But yeah, so I guess um that that moving around and Staying so long in one place—that's technically, like you say, not home—and then what you consider home not really being home because, in actual fact, like I was, someone said to me, "Home is where shoes and socks are." Yeah. <laughs> and, and, for, that's and again, been,
1: that for me is difficult because <laughs> my my career—I'm always living in a suitcase. Right. So, <laughs> I think also probably that's why i enjoy traveling so much because nowhere actually feels like home right if if that makes sense you just uh yeah
0: yeah constantly I, on the move on the move i feel like um many people that have had to do a lot of moving nowhere feels like home but to some extent everywhere feels like home in a sense yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a great way <laughs> of putting it yeah Global citizens, and we say it as if it's a nice thing. You know, to, it's almost like to console you. I'm a global citizen, world yeah. traveled. You just don't have a home. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: a, that, that's 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 when you put the negative spin on it. So, um obviously, moving around, I'm sure, has a lot of privileges. You get to see a lot of different places, experience different cultures, sure and broaden your horizon. And I guess the lens through which you see life.
2: Mm.
0: Is there a part of that because I um this is this is also an assertion it's just an opinion i think that many people look at it and are always quick to be like wow that's so amazing you're here then you're here then you're there which for most people that enjoy it it is really amazing but i also tend to feel like there's a part of it that's i guess challenging or takes some sacrifice that's not um brought to the surface as much so is there any part of um, traveling a lot that you found, apart from what you already mentioned, that you found specifically challenging? That's maybe not as glamorized as the idea of you know moving from place to place.
1: I'll be honest and say no. I love traveling so much. Mm-hmm. I I don't. <laughs> I I had withdrawal symptoms the whole of last year when all of my travel plans were being cancelled left right and centre. Yeah. But it also made me realize that something I wanted to say, but now I'm listening to it. And let me just say that it's, it's a quote by Wasan uh, Shire, that no one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark.
2: Huh.
1: I think <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there. But I love traveling so hmm. much and it, it excites me. Probably... It also depends what the reason for your travels is um, or are the reasons behind why you are moving from point to A place. to point B and right. where exactly you are going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some some missions, for example, if I'm on official travel, are exciting. It's a learning opportunity. Some places are scary. Right. Um, I know you know for i will use the example of being deployed currently in, in in uh areas like uh areas like uh Capo Delgado in Mozambique where right. there is the uncertainty that is happening and so many uh, international aid workers had to be evacuated and things like that. Right. I don't think it's I know there's some people who are Thrill seekers and they, <laughs> they they just want to go where the action is, but it it must be a bit scary. Yeah. If you can imagine that. Mm.
0: The uncertainty. Yeah. Of it. So. Yeah. The
1: uncertainty of it, but um, I I personally love traveling.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: so we move on to the second part of the conversation. OK, so I yeah, just had a quick break and we're back at it. Um, so this section is mostly going to deal with the idea of womanhood, if that's a thing. Um, and I'll just start off by asking you, what does it mean to you to be a woman?
2: Mm. What
1: does it mean to me to be a woman? The state of being a woman, womanhood, the qualities of being a woman. Um I think it really differs for on um, based on personal circumstances and context. But for me I'd say um in mine my, my own circumstances it is um a state of constantly evolving evolving into new roles and uh finding identities i often wonder you know the the magical moment when you're not a girl anymore now you are a woman it's as if you know it, it just happens and it's we we don't look at it as uh you are evolving into this process it's almost just like one day you were a girl you're not a girl anymore you're now a woman when did this happen though Mm-hmm. You know, there's never um, uh, an actual acknowledgement that it's it's an ongoing process, and for me, at least, I feel that it is it is constantly evolving into new roles and um, new identities, as I said, well, not necessarily new identities, but finding uh, identities. I relate to um a lot of the generic qualities that are often assigned to women—that right. they are natures, uh, they are compassionate, that they are warm, that they are kind, that they are loving and giving—but uh, I also, um, I'm also about redefining um, my own roles and how I choose to to perform womanhood, you know, beyond beyond the, the generic roles that are assigned to women. Right. So I think um, a lot of it in my own perspective is about being whoever you want to be in that given moment. Of course, there will always be pushbacks and it's you versus uh, societal norms and sometimes mm-hmm. this version of who you want to be or how you want to perform womanhood does not necessarily subscribe to what is socially acceptable and it's also about like i said finding or evolving even within that context of finding how how you balance um who you desire to be as a woman or how you desire to 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 contribute to the world as a woman within the context of the environment that you find yourself in
0: right yeah that's um That's a very, uh, I guess, uh, one of the most uh, more elaborate answers.
2: um, Really? So
0: in terms of, um, I like the part that you mentioned, you know, like the transition, because even I, as a man, I'm not sure when um, someone, like, even when you're talking to someone sometimes or about someone, you're not sure, like, wait, when, when does one become, like, when does one cease to be? A girl and become a woman, and sometimes mm-hmm. to play it safe, people just go for like the lady. Because
2: mm-hmm. to be honest, I
0: don't even know what's the difference between a girl, a lady, a woman. Maybe this is what I should go study after, <laughs> after this conversation. But in terms of that transition for you, when does it happen, and how does it happen? Like what, what determines? You know, when this transition is happening, is there like a official <laughs> a milestone? Like, what what determines this?
1: I've learned that there is no magic moment. Hmm. I and I learned this after spending a long time waiting for the magic moment to happen <laughs> until I realized there is no magic moment coming.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: and. It it really is about, like I said, being who you have defined for yourself in your circumstances and in your environment and in in the context that you are expected to to thrive in. Uh, but in terms of the magical thing, no, there is no thing, according to me. Mm. I, I don't think that there, there is that thing moment. I know that biologically,
2: right. we
1: we we have ascribed. Um, you know, certain age categories for girls and uh who we are referring to as girls and and who are now considered women. But even that does not happen at the same date and time for everyone, you see? Right. So I find it uh, quite an oddity to want to put everyone within the same group but at the same time <laughs> say you're an individual. Yeah. You know, and and you, you are your own person and, and things like that. Right. So I don't think there's a magical moment um, when that happens. It happens,
0: yeah. Okay, so when it comes to, again, um, the idea of being a woman, and you can explain, I guess, or share, um, again, as much or as whichever sources you want to use, but... When it comes to your growing up, how was mm-hmm. the idea of being a woman put to you or how did you understand it?
2: And, mm. um,
0: how do you feel about how it was put to you or how you understood it growing up versus today with what you know now and what you've experienced to this point?
1: That's also another aspect that I've been grappling with. That never happened. <laughs> Right. That really really never happened in in my case there was never I I don't particularly have very strong female figures in my life. Right. There are women but yeah. not necessarily um emotionally engaged women. Right. Or um I I think I've also come to the realization that a lot of uh people are dealing with their own uh, evolutions,
2: yeah. and
1: they're also finding themselves in those moments. <laughs> and society has expected that yeah. they're they are to perform certain certain roles, but not every 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 um person, whether it's a man or a woman, comes to that moment right. of realizing that it is their responsibility. And the universe has has a divine way of um. Of bringing you who you need when you need them at the right time. I've been blessed with so many uh, mentors who are not necessarily part of my personal space, if I can say that. These are people who I've come across uh, professionally, academically, who in their different ways I've right. learned from, not necessarily that they took it upon themselves to teach, but you just, you also have to take it upon yourself, I, I think um other women who might also just be trying to figure it out. Right. But they, I think there there's so many lessons that we can learn from other people without actually waiting for the teacher in the classroom to come and stand in front of you and be like, this is a woman. This is what womanhood is about. <laughs>
2: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was gonna ask like how you felt about that because um I guess so for example, if there's there's probably Ladies, women out there trying to figure it out and wondering if there's this magic moment you spoke of and whether it's coming. And one of the reasons, like, I like to have this conversation sometimes, maybe someone needs to hear that hey, look, you need to be a part of figuring it out. And mm-hmm. one of, in my personal experience, one of the most recent things I've uh, discovered or learned is how you know how, and maybe you're like, when, I guess, let's start from when you're, say, 12. You think when you're 18, or the people that are 18 have it all figured out. Then when you're 18, mm-hmm. you think you're a little older, a little wise, you think, okay, probably by 26, 27, those people have it figured out. Then you know, 27, 28, think maybe the 40-somethings or 30-somethings have it figured out.
2: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: I guess if you interact enough and reflect enough, you realize at whatever point in a journey people are there um are all trying to figure it out and so part of having these conversations is kind of also having a space where we can all I guess collectively contribute to and help each other figure it out by sharing even some of like what you've shared you know just saying um you could find people to inspire you to build or feed into you in different places and different um, settings which you've met them in but you also kind of took the initiative to um, uh, learn and grow from that if I'm not mistaken about what you Mm. said
1: yeah you're 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 spot on and I think for me one of the biggest epiphanies in in that whole uh, process has been realizing that I am the person that I was waiting for (laughs) <laughs> so we, we we spend a long time waiting for people to perform their roles and sometimes it is for you right to be that person that you're waiting for because if you have identified that this thing is missing it means that you know that it is supposed to be there or that you have a desire to be that type of person right um so you you should you could um it's not very easy it really depends on the context but in my own particular case i i i've taken time out to to learn from people that i admire it might not always be you might not always find everything in one person
2: mhm
1: hmm? so you can learn from you take what 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 each person is giving you
2: right
1: and you decide what it is that out what it is that is beneficial from them
2: yeah, and yeah. to learn
1: to leave because they're no perfect human beings you might find someone who is a very shrewd businessman
2: yeah
1: and
0: all right I, again I, you broke up a little bit but i heard the last What why does this keep happening um
1: now it's happening to you
0: yeah oh snap um it's i don't know it's one of our internets it could be mine to be honest um but it also could be yours um, am mm-hmm. I like properly back now? Like, am I a hundred percent clear or no? Still dragging?
1: Yeah. A hundred percent clear. I just heard that part. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, again, yeah, I'll just uh, make sure I got that right, which is you need to be able to pick and choose between like, or what, what you can take from who, because you will find that one person might have something very valuable in one area of their life or business whatever and then in a different area maybe they're not the best person to be listening to about that specific um uh thing i guess is that correct
1: yeah and the last thing i said was to be careful of not making idols out of our mentors
0: ah okay okay well is is that a thing that can happen (laughs)
1: yes um even from my own personal experience i think that um when when we especially if you have been looking for someone to look up to for a long time right and then you do come across someone who you you
2: admire
1: this person professionally that now you think that they are uh you just take away the fact that they also are people who are evolving on their own journey. That right. when they do fumble, you fail to see that because you're so absorbed in 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 this person's um professional brand identity that you admire so much.
2: Not oh, for okay. you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely important to be uh, careful with that to just make sure you don't yeah um, I, I, you don't start seeing them through uh, rose colored uh, glasses where so they do something mm, and hero
1: worshipping, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and you start making excuses for them, and yeah, 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 definitely makes sense. okay, so um we could go on and on in that section alone, but um I'm gonna move on to the last section. I'll try and do this under five minutes, which is. I'm gonna mean that if we were doing long answer questions in an exam, we're now moving on to the short answer section. Um, <laughs> so this is not when you're allowed- to multiple different. choice. <laughs> not quite multiple choice, but this is when you're allowed one-liners. I mean, warm enough one-liners, not super cold ones, but yeah. So are you ready for this section?
2: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah okay. man shoot L-
0: let's go first question is what's one thing you wish men knew
1: what men knew about women or what men knew generally speaking let's go generally with about women speaking. i'd
0: say generally but let's go with about women i i, I think i like that one better
1: no, I don't I don't I don't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I chose it.
1: <laughs> I think we've already touched on, on the aspect that everyone is just trying to figure it out, you know?
0: Okay. Um, so you wish men knew that everyone's just trying I to I wish it out. men
1: yeah. I wish men knew that everyone is just trying to figure it out, both women and men, generally mm. speaking. Um, I wish they would also realize that amongst themselves as men, even men amongst themselves are just trying to figure it out. I think society puts so much pressure mm-hmm. on on men and performing manhood that very little is is done or said to to drive the the fact that everyone is just trying to figure it out along the way. And most times what we see is... Um the 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 highlights real of we don't see what goes on behind the scenes and before uh, this this version of what is the accepted standard of method is presented to mm-hmm. to to men or even womanhood, I think many times we shy away from sharing the not so um picturesque um aspects of 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 evolving into manhood or womanhood that we just present this finished version.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that that often misleads people who are coming along in their journey because all they see is is that aspect of um, this finished product that is presented to them without understanding um, that so much goes into that moment, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good answer. What one thing do you wish men say to each other that they don't seem to?
1: Well, I know about what men say to each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> From what you know, at
1: least. From what I know. Oh no, that is that is that is a uh, would be a, a response very much laced with bias.
0: That's uh, exactly what I'm looking for.
1: <laughs> oh, really? I think um, I'd go back to, to the point that I keep on mentioning that everyone is trying to
2: figure it out. Uh,
1: figure it out. And because of that, mm-hmm. it becomes, I think, in my opinion, it becomes difficult for uh, men to reach out to um, their counterparts i think Mm -hmm. their their peers or even especially intergenerational uh, men Mm -hmm. to ask for guidance i think it becomes very difficult Mm -hmm. um it it probably depends on the social context Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and also relationships that people have as individuals but I do know from I speak from professional experience that it's it's often very hard for the men that I've encountered to, especially in, in diff- across uh, different generations, to express themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, freely. Okay. So it's often often the fear of being seen as weak.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. why are
1: you giggling like that <laughs>
0: i i am just uh i'm just listening here I'll, huh. I'll, I'll i'll respond to i'll comment on the answers awkward when i finish asking them <laughs> i'm going to talk about abusive relationships mm. do you think unfriending someone because you think they are enabling an abuser is
2: justifiable yeah oh, <laughs> You know, it's
1: like you you have been snooping somewhere. That that is something that um, I I am in the middle of, mm. and it is. I'll be open about it. You know, as I mentioned, I am a practicing lawyer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very often, I come across um cases where abuse is involved, and when we talk about abuse, it's not only uh, GBV, mm-hmm. it, it, it's financial abuse, it's emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, in, within emotional abuse, we have and financial abuse, we have, you know, um, different um, I don't know what to call them. What the technical term is, but you have narcissistic uh, personality disorders that are involved
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: within that context. And I think it's the closed environments that many of us have found ourselves in have brought these type of um, issues to the fore. There's nowhere else to go, you know, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And your question was, would distancing oneself from an enabler Mm
0: -hmm. be justifiable? So, so for example, let me give you an example. If you and I are, say, close friends... Mm. And then you're in an abusive relationship where you are the abused. And I feel like you are enabling the abuser. And this is a really, really, really controversial one, because when people are being abused, sometimes they don't see it for a really long time or they have reasons that they are they feel boxed in. But then if I, as your friend, care about you so much and let's say it's breaking my heart to see you being abused, but you're enabling the abuser to abuse you. Would I be justified mm. in distancing myself from you?
1: I want to respond to that in in in, in, in light of in, I don't know whether to call it information, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: something I've learned, a lesson. Right. and that is about the impact that secondary trauma has on people. so secondary trauma would be experienced by third parties. Mm-hmm. so it is the child that grew up in a house of domestic violence
2: mm-hmm. it
1: is the best friend that is constantly having to listen to this friend who is always complaining about an abusive um, husband or partner she's always going back there and then every time things are sour she comes back to you mm-hmm. and you are just expected to absorb
2: mm-hmm. um
1: to take in all of this It it leaves an impact on on you as a third party, my thing that I've learned, and I I don't by any means mean this as professional advice or as someone who has figured it out. It took me a very long time Mm -hmm. to get to the point of realizing the impact that um, secondary trauma has on Mm -hmm. on people, whereby now you'd find yourself um, relating as... um, the primary survivor of trauma i don't know how to explain (laughs) you know you just become so disgruntled Mm -hmm. with 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 men and abusive relationships that if you start speaking about men and someone might think that you were the one in an abusive relationship but it's because you you, you've been a third party to this dynamic for such a long time it's like you've been in it and i think in those circumstances for the sake of your own uh mental health Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's important it also depends on your relationship with um if it's a professional you know relationship of course then you have a duty if there is uh i say this as as a legal practitioner but if there are elements that are criminal Mm -hmm. you do your bits involve law enforcement and remember that you are not law enforcement yourself it is not Mm -hmm. on you you're not a therapist you're not a psychologist if if assuming that is not your client uh,
2: and
1: and all that and even if that is your professional line of work it's very important to have boundaries Mm
2: -hmm.
1: otherwise you just end up being uh, sucked into this never-ending war and like i said um no, let me not say that because now it will just sound like. But I, I've done that a lot because I found myself mm-hmm. surrounded by, like I said, uh, no, I don't want to say that because now I feel, and I keep wanting to say it, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: but basically, surrounded by women who make decisions that you yourself would not have. Necessarily made, made in their circumstances, right. Or you feel that you would not have made the yeah. same choices that That's another. A really key yeah, that you feel people like have.
0: You don't know what it's like to be in the exact position. Yes. But yeah. yes.
1: yeah. That that has always been my my thing, and I, you know, I, I sympathize with women who their children involved in those dynamics and things like that. But at the same time, I I don't feel or well, no longer feel. Mm -hmm. obliged to be the one who is constantly you know just taking in and even having to step in and I I had to enforce a lot of boundaries Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the unfortunate um, thing about that is that it it, it leads to the end of a lot of relationships, friendships (laughs) <laughs> uh family dynamics when you decide to prioritize yourself because yourself. if you don't choose you, nobody else will choose you
2: yeah. every
1: time this this person goes back to that situation, they are choosing themselves yeah whether Makes we sense. see them as enablers or,
2: or yeah
1: or they're enjoying because there're generally some people who are addicted to and I think it's it's, it's a trauma thing, it's also a psychological thing.
2: Mm-hmm. they're just
1: addicted to that back and forth dynamic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: addicted to conflict addicted to the toxicity of um
0: <laughs> the situation yeah of the situation
1: yeah. that they find they just love drama and i never i never really understood that until i i, I stood back and observed as you know uh, you move your emotions from situations and then you notice that this person is just generally that's who they are. And it's not always for you to to be the one to show them yeah. the way out of. Yeah,
0: I, 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 could actually, I could actually dig in more on that. But I guess that would be for another time. Because the idea of boundaries is something that really appeals to me. And then um, I'm somewhat, or not somewhat, let's just say I'm an empath. So I feel mm. things very strongly.
1: And And you take in things more, yeah?
0: Yeah. One of the things I had to really, really learn to do is to actually, A, figure out and figure out without guilt, being able to say, listen, I can see this. I can feel this way, but it's not my job to fix this situation. Mm
2: -hmm. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes
0: even when I feel like I can, I need to be okay with the fact that it's not my job to fix it. And I can step away without feeling guilty for not being able to fix it because I'm choosing my, I guess, mental health or even I'm just sometimes. And this is the thing. Sometimes I don't even have to mentor. It's just I'm just choosing not to carry that. Your peace, Yeah. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, anyway, we can go into details and details and details about this, but we're almost out of time. So I'm only going to ask you one more question, which is, is it true that nice guys finish last?
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> Ooh. Hmm.
1: No, it's not true. Okay. If so that, I can answer briefly.
0: Yeah. So you think there's hope for nice guys in short? Okay. No problem. I'll, there is.
1: I'll, there I'll... is. <laughs> Hmm. I really I really am one person who believes in in divine timing and in the order of life and bad guys your bad habits will eventually catch up with you and you you eventually will will be the one to finish first. Life always <laughs> catches up with
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Anyways, Kandu, thanks for coming on to Inquadji two six zero um we unpacked quite a few things but i felt like we could have gone on for another hour and we still have a lot to say so hopefully somewhere down the road we're able to catch you out of your business schedule and um get another episode in but yeah for me it's been definitely a pleasure to um have these conversations um what are you just going to leave with i guess the people that are listening and also if they want to find you inspirational and want to see where you um whether post your writing or just follow what you're happy to share with the public public um if you have anywhere they can find you you can share that and just leave something um with whoever's listening
1: Yeah, on the last part um, i'm trying to be a very low profile person Mm -hmm. not really working but (laughs) i'm trying to be you know mysterious and not be easily found and all that but you can google me you will find me
0: okay. Um, that's okay too i mean when you publish a book, <laughs> when you publish a book we're gonna need to you
1: apart from that i'm very likely to to use a a, 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 a moniker or a, a pseudonym ah, what's the name of okay basically okay. because of my my profession yes. i wouldn't want to write <laughs> uh you know and then be identified there now i'm in a refugee camp and aren't you that (laughs) one who writes those books about
0: yeah that would yeah yeah. that would not go very well but yeah right yeah
1: and i don't know how how you know that would be received but i think just on on the last part i really i really enjoyed this conversation and i love the concept that you've come up with um with with regards this non-podcast podcast podcast (laughs) that is not a podcast that you are calling
0: a podcast Uh, yeah
1: a podcast um i think these are important conversations to be having Mm -hmm. and i think this may being uh, well i know it's only in the u.s but we've just taken it globally that may is mental health awareness month i think it's Mm -hmm. very important to be having uh, conversations that that you know build us as people build mental health um uh, discussions and you never know who you might be uh helping. Sometimes it's not just about um hearing things, also about expressing these things, you know. Sometimes
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, an outlet is necessary. There's so many other things to be said, but the last one I just like to say is to encourage people to prioritize themselves, mental health, their peace, boundaries. It's not easy. I know this because I'm I'm in it. In the thick of things of establishing boundaries, but
2: mm-hmm. you have to
1: do what needs to be done because you 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 very likely are the person that it has fallen on to you know break certain patterns and uh, get rid of certain toxicity and negative energy and and what have you. So it's not an easy process, like I said, but it's it's very important.
2: All right.
0: And with that, thank you very much for listening to Nquaji 260.